Welcome to the program. Today, we talk to a sheriff who's trying to figure out how to deal with a prosecutor that is uh, not exactly living up to his end of the bargain when it comes to stopping crime. We also uh, t- uh, are in the middle of Supreme Court time, which means that during hour two of this show, and this goes on for a couple more weeks, there are days where the Supreme Court decides they're going to release some opinions, and we got a bunch of them today. We're going to go through that. It kind of happens live on the air during this show, so don't miss it if you can listen to it live, but that's what you're going to hear uh, part of the discussion today, all the Supreme Court stuff that comes down. And then also we talked to Kelly Shackelford, who helps us go through not only the cases that have been decided, but also the ones that are right around the corner. What do they mean uh, to us and the future of this country? It's, it's a huge topic right now. And uh, we also go into the economy as well, which continues to burn. Uh, we'll get into that today on the podcast. Holy cow. Today, the Fed is looking at raising the interest rate uh, three quarters of a point. That's not going to help the market. Right now, if you have Bitcoin, holy cow. Have you looked at your 401k or your investments? Have you had anything in the stock market? And then if you had precious metals, have you looked at that? The only thing that is holding its value, not even the dollar. The only thing that's holding its value right now is gold and silver. I want you to call Goldline now. Do your own homework, please. Find out if it's right for you, but do it now. As your dollar becomes worth less and less and less, and your Bitcoin and all your other investments go down, please consider gold. Call them today. Tell them that I sent you. Tell them you were listening to the podcast and give them the, um, the promo code MYB. It stands for Mind Your Business, which is used to be um, our motto on our coins, which I love. Mind Your Business. We have Mind Your Business silver bars, and they will give you, just as a thank you for calling in, one of those silver bars. Request the information at their website, goldline.com, or call them at 866-GOLDLINE, 866-GOLDLINE. Make sure you use the promo code MYB, Mind Your Business. is the Glenn Beck program. I want to talk to you about an experience I had last night um, uh, here in just a couple of towns down from uh, my ranch. I, I uh, gave a speech uh, on Flag Day. It, it, it was amazing. Every year, this town has a Flag Day ceremony and people come to it. There were about a thousand people, maybe about 800 people there uh, yesterday. And they did this really moving ceremony. And uh, then I walk out and I talk to him. The first thing I said was, you have to know how unique you are. I'm not sure how many towns across America are having a flag day free. Hey, everybody, come to the high school for the I mean, it felt like it was in the music man for a while. Uh, It was amazing. But I in talking to people uh, before the event. I I really got the sense that people are changing and are very concerned because, uh, uh, well, let me just talk to the politicians. Look, more and more, it seems like there there are two kinds of politicians and there aren't. There's there's a big fat middle, but they're not doing much. And it seems like your choice is the burn it down 
group or the what fire group. If the what fire group is afraid of the burn it down group, you haven't seen anything yet because the left is wanting to burn it down. They just do it wrapped in, you know, in crazy words that make you go, oh, no, no, seriously. They just said they loved America. The burn it down people uh, love America many times, love America, too. But they think burn it down. And that's the worst idea ever. But unless you stop saying what fire and you actually see what's going on, the burn it down people are going to win. Uh, because it's happening now in our small towns. It is happening in red state America. Yesterday, uh, I told you uh, about a, uh, a county that is as red as they come. And yet there is a, a prosecuting attorney that is changing things, not only in his county, but also changing really. I mean, I talked to the sheriff up here and he was concerned. You know, I don't know how many counties away about this other sheriff uh, you know, like two hours away, he said, this guy is influential and he is changing the way law enforcement is happening. Uh, the sheriff uh, for Utah County, uh, one of the most conservative counties in the country. Mike Smith is with us now. Hello, Mike. How are you? Good morning. How are you doing? Well, I'm I'm good. I mean, I'm I'm a little concerned because I think this I'm using uh, your county as an example of what's happening all across the country where you don't need Soros coming in and uh, buying everything up. Some Republicans are doing it themselves. Tell me why Utah County of all places is beginning to look a lot like San Francisco. Yeah, and I'm that concerns me as well. That's a uh, that's a really scary statement and sad statement for uh, Utah County because that's not us. And recently, we've had a prosecutor take office who uh, who brings these ideals in that that I agree with you. They are Soros based ideas. They're failed pro. They're failed programs that uh, we've seen over and over again in large Democratic cities that uh, we. You know, they use them. Crime rates go up. And some, for some reason, our prosecutor believes that if he brings them here to Utah County, he's going to have a different result. And he just isn't. What is the feeling of the community right now as they see this going on? You know, I can tell you uh, with law enforcement, it's demoralizing. You know, our officers are out. They're working hard for their community. They are there for their citizens. They uh, they love they love their communities. They want to serve them. They want to help them. Um, they they work tirelessly to to uh, bring crime and to uh, investigate these things. And then they fall on the lap of the prosecutor, and nothing happens. And it's demoralizing. And we see victims that are re-victimized through these programs. You know, and, and as you look at you know, Utah County and you look at the Republican Party and we are very largely Republicans. You know, you look at the Republican platform and the platform itself says swift and certain punishments with just and appropriate penalties are essential deterrence to crime and victim rights are always superior, superior to criminals rights. And we have a Utah County attorney who doesn't follow that platform yet. He he runs on it. He he, he is not a Republican. 
we've seen uh, over the past you know, what 20 years from the 90s or the 30 years i guess from 90s to the early you know pre-covid uh, 2020s uh, a real drop in violent crime but since at least the last couple of years we've seen that totally reverse and it has gone up what what is the cause about it and what can we do to stop it you know uh, there's a there's a ton of things out there that you can say is the cause about it but uh to stop it, I think everybody needs to be engaged. You know, as we look at law enforcement, you see this movement across the nation, and it really is a Soros movement, you know, that this all cops are bad. And we're seeing it here in Utah County. We're seeing a, a county attorney who keeps, you know, pointing a finger at law enforcement saying they're the problem, demoralize law enforcement. You know, there's there's a reason why they're doing that. Um, so for me, I look at the at the situation. You look at our community, and you've got – really a small number of law enforcement com compared to, you know, the citizens that they're trying to serve. And so for me, the answer is we're all on the same team here. Let's work together um, as citizens. Law enforcement, we, we are begging for you to be part of our team to help but, combat crime. Sheriff, I, I really get the, um, uh, the impression that um, the people are on your side and on the side of the cops. Uh, but these activists, and you don't need um, uh, George Soros. When you've got somebody like David Levitt, uh, you've got real problems because he's he's got a family name. He's one of these guys, like in Texas, we have the Bushes. He's one of these guys with the name. And so everybody's like, oh, I know that family, or I know those names. Uh, and they're not paying attention to what he's doing. And he's got a good... Uh, shell game going on as his press conferences he says oh no we you know we got rid of the special victims uh unit uh which is you know on sex crimes and abuse and everything else the really nasty stuff uh we got rid of that because uh, we found an easier way to do it you 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 see that f what i've heard you have never had cartel members in your county and you have them now and people aren't afraid because they're watching what he's doing in the office is all that true it is you know we we look at the svu unit and and he did dismantle it he you know we so the part of it that i guess is a little uh untrue is as a as law enforcement we still have an svu unit you know we're pressing forward we push out to our our employees our officers you do your job do your job regardless of what david levitt chooses to do you do your job and he can answer to the people for his inaction so we push forward he's pulled his prosecutors out of it you know it was it's a model that's it's, that's used across the nation it, it it is a model that works and he he pulled these prosecutors out. It used to be when you had a sex crime, they would, from the minute this crime was reported and a prosecutor was involved all the way through the process so that when these came to court, we didn't have a, a prosecutor who is opening up a folder and looking in a case for the first time, you know, five minutes before it goes to court. And that's what we have now. We have untrained prosecutors that he's put in these positions that uh, have a, a stack of, of cases that they're looking at five minutes before court, and they're not involved in the case. And so you get what you pay for in that scenario. As far as cartels and he go... Is... Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. No, go ahead. As far as cartels go, you know, we have had tough on crime um, with our 
our major crimes task force, we work hard. And these cartels, you know, I, some people may get in their mind, oh, you know, it's it's drug users. It's you, you have to realize that cartels operate like Fortune 500 companies. And if they're looking at their liabilities, their risks, all these things. Okay, I'm looking at an area where, you know what, the risks are low. So business is better here. And so we move business here. We've always been able to, to be really tough on them. And we still are on the law enforcement side, but they're just not getting uh, prosecuted properly. And so the risks are low and, and they, they flow to where business is good and risks are low. And that's what's happening. I, I have heard, and I don't know if this is true, that on arrests, some officers are being told that they kind of almost laugh and go like, that's fine. I'll be out soon. I mean, it's starting to sound like New York. Yeah, that that's happening. And even worse than that, we're having, um, you know, especially when you talk drugs or other things, our officers are arresting people. They're resisting arrest. They're assaulting our officers. And then the county attorney won't prosecute on those crimes. So if you assault a police officer, there's no consequences. And when we ask this, we ask, and this is the response we get. Well, it will confuse the jury. And our jaws were just, our jaws are, are dropped and we're going, what are you talking about? Somebody selling crimes in our community, an officer tries to arrest them. They don't want to be arrested. So they fight the officer. How is that con- confusing to tell a jury? I don't know, but I, I have to tell you, this is, uh, you know, I've, I've made light of, of this, or I brought this to light uh, to the national audience because I think this is happening in our communities and people are not aware of it. And you, you don't need George Soros when you have these, um, these Republicans who, I, I don't know what his deal is. I just know he is not the Republican that he makes everybody believe he is. I mean, they're, the whole family has always been squishy. Um, but this, there's something really wrong here. He is um, taking felonies and pleading them down to misdemeanors. This is going to create a New York City or a San Francisco or a Los Angeles kind of crime wave if it's allowed to continue. Am I wrong? No, you're not wrong. And it's, it's you know, when you, t- when you talk about taking felonies and bringing them down to misdemeanors, you know, he'll put out this narrative that he's, he's prosecuting the worst. He doesn't do plea deals. Well, he absolutely does. He, he is smoke and mirrors. He's doing plea deals before they ever hit the court. He's, he had one of his friend uh, legislators run a bill. It's, it was uh, HB 300 a couple years ago, gave the prosecutor the ability to drop these felonies down. He does it continually. Uh, and so they're, he, he's dealing them away before they ever get to court. You know, he says he doesn't like plea deals. Is it true? He, one more. I'm sorry to interrupt, but one more quick question here, because I've only got about uh, 60 seconds. Um, is it true? I saw a case where a grandfather was molesting his granddaughter felony, and he decided to drop it down to a misdemeanor because he was concerned what that would do to the grandfather. Is that true? Is that did I read that case right? No, you read it right. Unfortunately, that is true, and it's sad. Oh, my gosh. You know, I, I'll tell you, it, 
What what do you say about a prosecutor who, in a press release, makes a statement that the criminal justice system is the greatest threat to American freedom that we've seen in a generation? What do you say about that? He said that? He said that. And... I don't, Holy cow. I don't know. Uh, I mean, <laughs> yes, our criminal justice system isn't perfect, but, you know, I'd put it up against any system in the world. This is America. And yeah. I, I can't yeah. believe he would he would say something like that. We're talking to Sheriff Mike Smith. Um, thank you very much, Sheriff. I appreciate your honesty on this. Um, I, I will tell you, look. You have to decide who to vote for, but I'm telling every city in America, you better look at what's going on in your town because it's coming disguised as a Republican. And these states are starting to fall one by one because you're not paying attention to what's going on in your own. And, you know, we like to believe that, oh, well, we can trust them. You have to get the word out. People uh, people are are not necessarily who you think they are uh and this prosecutor is uh extraordinary in my opinion extraordinarily dangerous his name is david levitt uh and uh the whole levitt thing is i mean all of these all of these institutional families enough is enough enough is enough This is the best of the Glenn Beck program. We have at least five Supreme Court rulings coming out. Uh, Kelly Shackelford is going to be joining us from uh, First Liberty coming up in just a minute. He'll tell us what all of these mean and how much they will affect us in our lives. Um, do you ever remember a time like this, Stu, where you you felt such an impact from the Supreme Court on more than one case? Jeez, yeah, I mean, you know, the Obamacare one pops to mind as a big one that we followed so closely for such a such a long time. This one, though, because it's Roe but that was Wade, one case. Yeah, this is this this is the sort of marquee of the entire Supreme Court, right? It's the focus of every single time the Senate looks at a nominee. They're always focused on whether they're going to be for or against Roe versus Wade. That one obviously being there, but there's several other cases, as you mentioned. The one about uh, guns is a big one in New York. The case about uh, the the government's right to regulate power. Uh, power plants is a massive one when it comes to global warming and how much massive. you're going to be paying for electricity. We have the, the prayer think, on the field one was over, another big one on religious liberty. Go ahead. Right. Do you think I'm overstating or uh, overreading the impact? We should ask Kelly this next hour of the EPA one. This seems like almost a an end run where the the commerce clause that was decided during the FDR administration was an end run around the constitutional powers that gave the federal government and uh, access to everything in our life. This kind of seems like an end run around that decision in a way, doesn't it? Uh, possibly, yeah. I could, that could be the way this plays out. Uh, you know, and I I think you know the court is is. Is a more of a focus on our lives than I think the founders really intended. 
you know, I don't think that they wanted it. Oh, yeah. But, I mean, it has become the backstop against all sorts of abuses by our government. I mean, uh, you know, the courts as a whole have been the only thing stopping this administration from doing all sorts of crazy things, from requiring vaccines uh, to, um, you know, gosh, I could, we could probably name five or six cases just over the past six months that have been pushed, they've been uh, stopped from doing things, you know, when it comes to immigration, another one, where they were just, they would say in the argument, we can't do it ourselves, we need congressional support. And then Congress would say, yeah, we, we're not going to do that. And they'd say, okay, we'll do it ourselves. And luckily the courts have been there to stop it over and over again. They're not perfect, but right now they seem to be the only people in our constitutional framework who care about the Constitution. Well, they will get around the Constitution eventually. I think they're going to declare a national emergency, a climate emergency, or a, a banking emergency, or a energy shortage emergency. One way or another, emergencies are coming. Um, and that's how you really make an end run around Congress and the Supreme Court. Um, let me give you this story from CNBC. Raising children is expensive in the United States, and families are feeling the pressure. More than 12.5 million children in the U.S. live in poverty. Even middle-class families are increasingly struggling to pay for everyday expenses. Yeah, why is that? The U.S. Department of Agriculture has uh, uh, published a report using 2015 data that estimated expenses of child-rearing from birth through the age 17 in a middle-income family of two adults and two children. It is 233610 With inflation, that means it's 286000 uh, in 2022. But adjusting for inflation, they say, may not be enough. Child care costs have actually outpaced inflation. In 2020, child care expenses rose 5.03% year after year compared to the annual inflation rate of just 1.2 at the time. The fact that uh, is sending an infant to daycare in many places across the country could be significantly more expensive than in-state public tuition to send them to college. The United States has been very reluctant, very conservative when it comes to these kinds of family policies. One of the issues with child care is the U.S. isn't or is a patchwork system. Huh. We have programs that fully subsidize eligible children. We have tax credits that subsidize a portion of child care cost for higher income families. We also have block grants for states to help them expand access. The problem with all these systems is that with this multitude of approaches, we're just not getting close to anything universal or affordable. Okay, so here's CNBC saying, really, we need pre-K money. We need more money, and we can't solve this problem state by state. It has to be solved at the federal government. Again, another crisis the government can take care of. Well, I don't know about you, but I get a little tired of working for everybody else. Um, I pay my fair share. I pay more than my fair share. And uh, I usually, you know, I've never had a problem paying my taxes because I love the country and I'm willing to help others. I just think that 
helping others is not doing gender studies. I think helping others is not enforcing uh, the uh, idea that our public schools have to have open bathrooms with all of our kids and hide information from us parents. No, sorry. At what point do you start saying, I'm not really being represented here? Well, you can't because we have representation. You vote for your representative. That's one of the problems with us is we'll hire somebody, but they'll do the exact opposite usually. Now, there is a great article in The Federalist about the student loan bailout. Because we saved and behaved responsibly, President Joe Biden will punish us. Nor is his plan fair to those who don't go to college. We put five children through college, one still attending. We saved up. We never took out any loans. We didn't want our kids burdened with debt. Our kids went to William and Mary, Mary Washington, Dartmouth, John Hopkins, and the University of Pennsylvania. So far, the total cost of these colleges has been well more than $600,000. Well, last week, Biden forced taxpayers to assume nearly $6 billion in federal student loans for uh, for, uh, 560,000 borrowers. News stories announced the decision on forcing taxpayers to pay off the loan for others, and it appears delayed until closer to the election. While some debt is likely to be paid off by taxpayers, Democrats will probably keep their other borrowers locked in politically by continuing to freeze repayments and warning that Republicans will end this. Should my wife and I have just borrowed all of this money and sent our kids to public universities? If so, We could add $600,000 to spend on all sorts of other things, nicer cars, houses, fun trips, or we could have given that money to our children and grandchildren when we die. To save to pay for a family's college bills, we always purchased used cars and you know, and we were um, a year old when we when they uh, we drove them for years. My Ford Taurus lasted 16 years. More than 225,000 miles. My Pontiac Transport for my wife lasted almost as long before Russ meant that it could no longer pass the state's yearly safety check. So because we saved up and behaved responsibly, President Biden is going to punish us, those who didn't save or work 90, 80 hour weeks, who spent their money on other nice things. Instead, now we are paying off and picking up their tab for their kids' education. How exactly is that fair? Nor is it fair to those who don't go to college. This is a great article that you really need to read at The Federalist. But I think this is the way a lot of people are going to start to feel. As we have shortages ourselves and shortages of money, How are people going to deal with the process that we are sending welfare checks uh, and we're selling or sending food stamps down to the border? When we have hungry people here. By the way, the direct impact uh, of the the Fed is going to be felt again today. Uh, They are they are raising the rates of interest. Uh, so anything connected to the interest rates, that's credit cards, adjustable rate mortgages, 
or, you know, fixed rate mortgages uh, that you haven't secured yet. All of this will change uh, today and could change directly. They're trying to cool the economy, which means they're trying to get you to stop buying stuff. Uh, and it's pulling us into a recession uh, if business investing and consumer spending is slowed too much. But they're going to get it right this time. So what it's going to do is it's going to make borrowing more expensive for companies, higher costs of capital. Um, the uh, valuation in the stock market is going to get compressed. We've already seen a lot of that happening right now. But this will be increased drag on your 401k or anything that you have that's a retirement fund and the problem is is that we're going up three quarters of a percent Stu, how much was it for each point just on the federal budgets borrowing yes rates tick up remember yeah it's one each percentage point costs us another 400 billion dollars per year which is the equivalent of adding a new defense department every year Oh, my gosh. By adding a point? Mm-hmm. One point. And it's, it's something like four, so $4 trillion over a decade. And you, it gets to a point where just the interest uh, uh, on our national debt becomes the focus of our entire budget eventually. I mean, we're not that far away from this becoming really a society that just repays debt rather than actually does things. The best of the Glenn Beck program. Kelly Shackelford, a very good friend of the program and now a powerhouse to be reckoned with, uh, with uh, the organization he's the CEO of, First Liberty Institute. He is chief counsel of First Liberty Institute as well. Kelly, welcome to the program. Happy to be on, Glenn. Thank you. So you've been watching these roll out uh, from the Supreme Court. We had a surprisingly high number today. We had six uh, different cases. Can you tell me which are the important ones and which actually will affect us? Well, I think for your audience, I doubt very many of them would be of, of any interest. Uh, I think it's, this is a okay. weird time, Glenn. We've got, uh, you know, uh, a record number, if you look over the past few weeks, that have been not issued. I mean, there's only 65 cases this term, and we were we were like 29 or something just a, a week or so ago, which is, I don't think right. that's happened since maybe 1950. So, but we're getting closer. Wow. We're now down to, I think, 17 or 18, but, but all the big ones are left. Uh, the Dobbs case, the Second Amendment case, the uh, border case, the remaining Mexico, the two big religious liberty cases, which are both uh, our cases at First Liberty. We're waiting for all these big cases, and it looks like they're just going to maybe unleash them all in a very short amount of time close to each other. But uh, it, we'll, we'll wait till next week and see what happens next week. So what are the two big religious um, uh, decisions that are coming? I I know Coach Kennedy. That's one of them. What's the other one? The other one is a case out of Maine uh, where they they had a school choice program where parents could pick any uh, uh, school that they wanted for their kids as long as it wasn't religious. And so it was just pure discrimination (laughs) against all the religious schools. And uh, I think we're going to win. I mean, the argument went well. 
but this will be a really big case because it'll make clear nationwide that when you have school choice, uh, which we really should have, um, that you can't exclude the religious schools. Uh, you got to compete against them like everybody else, and people are going to pick the best education for their Correct. children. And uh, so I think that'll be a really big case. It's sort of almost the final uh, nail in the coffin on these attempts to discriminate in school choice. And the only step left really will be to get school choice where parents choose. You know, it, it shouldn't be just rich people get to choose their schools. Everybody should be able to choose what's best for their kid if it's their tax money. And and quite honestly, why should I have to pay two tuitions? I mean, I'm willing to do it to help the kids that, you know, whose parents don't have any money. But this should all be choice. And I think those public schools would go out of business quickly. I, I was um, in front of an audience uh, last night. I gave a speech and I was asking the audience some pretty basic questions about America, American history, and I don't know, I think I said three times uh, from the stage last night, wow, our school system has greatly failed us on these things. Nobody would raise their hand on on a couple of questions that I thought were fairly easy. Mm. Yeah, it's, it's, it's really, I mean, and look, not only are they failing in that way, right, but they're also failing in what they're trying to indoctrinate you know third graders and second graders stuff that parents are just appalled by and we are all appalled by so um as you said uh, a number of these schools go out of business i think a number of those schools would actually have to you know start acting like they're in that community and and they're actually having to be better and they're actually having to be good and they're actually having to represent the morals and values of their community and not some sort of woke crazy stuff that they're putting in elementary school. So I think it would be great in lots of ways. And it's fascinating to me, Glenn, it's one of those issues that, you know, Republicans are heavily in favor of school choice, but so are Democrats. I mean, you know, African-American, Hispanic, I mean, these are large percentages and yet they can't get it through because the teachers union has such a lock um, that they're not voting for something that is very important to most of their people. And so I think this is part of why you see sort of this really a fracturing uh, of a lot of things that we had kind of counted on. I mean, the, there was a district yesterday in Texas that's 84 percent Hispanic that just had an election for, for a Congress. They elected a Republican. You would never see that in the past. But, right. uh, you know, they're, they're voting their right. values. And so some of these things are changing. But I, that case, I think, will be really big. It's called Carson versus Macon. And, of course, the Coach Kennedy case is a huge case. Uh, I just think we've dealt with for 50 years a lot of these bad old decisions that have created this sort of hostility to religion in our schools. And uh, it shouldn't be that way. The founders never meant it to be that way. Uh, they believed in free speech. They believed in the free exercise of religion. And, uh, and that should be what the law is. And I think we're going to move back that way after Coach Kennedy comes down, but we'll, we'll have to wait and see what the opinion says. You know, I got to tell you, if I had a coach who was a Muslim and he wanted to take his prayer rug out at the end of a football game and say a prayer, I wouldn't have a problem with that. And I'm, I'm, right. I'm obviously not a Muslim and, 
You know, why would why does anybody have a problem with these things? Um, is the uh, Sports Illustrated has just come out with just an amazingly bad article when faith and football teamed up against American democracy. The U.S. Supreme Court will decide the case of a football coach at a public high school who was told he wasn't allowed to pray on the field in front of players. The expected result is a win for the coach and the further erosion of the separation between church and state. I don't know where they find that. Uh, Kelly, do you? I don't. Uh, it's, it was amazing, Glenn. I, I've been doing this kind of work for 33 years, and this is the first time I can ever remember a, an article by the media being so ridiculous that it, it led to its own news story. There were stories yesterday at Fox News, uh, at uh, Breitbart, at all kinds of media because of the Twitter explosion that occurred when Sports Illustrated posted this story. <laughs> it was so ridiculous and so biased. Everybody's going like, okay, a coach praying by himself for 20 seconds is the end of democracy. <laughs> you know, number one, we're not a democracy. Right. Uh, you know, we're, we're a republic, a constitutional republic. And number two, separation of church and state. You know, number one, that, those words aren't the Constitution. But number two, please tell me where the institution of the church is in this. Please tell me where the institution of right. the state is. It's Coach Kennedy. It's not the state. Um, I mean, this is really ridiculous and very, uh, you know, again, Sports Illustrated, as you said, should stick to sports uh, and uh, and not try to get into woke politics in their sports or they're going to, oh. you know, this is the reason why they're losing so many people. So let me, but let me um, uh, take it further. As we look at Sports Illustrated and we see all of the errors there, that's one thing. But I listened to the arguments. Uh, I listened online through your website, and it was amazing to be able to listen to a Supreme Court uh, hearing was incredible. I've never done it before in its entirety live, um, and. opposing side was was claiming it was it was nothing like uh like the facts of the story it was all over the all over the board i couldn't believe that they could get away with saying the things that they did uh without it being perjury yeah it i think i mean the only people a lot of people don't know but on the other side and let me let me mention glenn if people want to listen to it it's still up at uh our our media website, which is firstlibertylive.com. They can go listen to the argument. It's unbelievable. Um, but it, it, yeah. it, I think it's because what happened is the school district, instead of representing themselves, God is their attorneys. Uh, the Americans United for Separation of Church and State, which is an interest group with a, a pretty uh, um, extreme agenda. They're, they're all secular humanists. They want to push religion out of society and these were their attorneys. Well, they don't, they're not very experienced at the Supreme Court. So I think they did something really foolish, which is you start trying to twist the facts. I mean, there's a record. So we could point to the record. And if you remember our counsel, Paul Clement, who's probably the number one guy at the Supreme Court, um, at the end of his rebuttal, he just nailed fact after fact after fact and the record that they were trying to pervert. Well, they can read the record. So that doesn't work. And so what, what was happening, by the way, for your audience, if they wonder what we're talking about, is Coach only wanted to pray by himself. 
he went he went by himself. He, he just a twenty second prayer after the game to thank God for the privilege of coaching the young men that he coached. And he got that from that movie facing the Giants that he saw, and he made that pledge. And for seven eight years, that's what he did until they told him to stop. And at one point, midway through his years, some kids went and prayed with him too. But as soon as the school said, hey, don't do that with the kids, he said, oh, that's fine. That's not what I'm trying to do. And he went back by himself. And they ended up firing him because he wouldn't And he never, hey, hang on just a second. He he never, ever invited them. They asked him, and he said, it's a free country. Do do what you want. So it wasn't like he was indoctrinating or pulling people in. I think that's really important. That's exactly right. Yeah, he he never did. And and they admitted that. I mean, that was one of the things they admitted. They admitted he never coerced anyone. Uh, So and yet they their new their new theory at the Supreme Court was to say, oh, no, this is all about Coach Kennedy wanting to pray with the kids. And, And then my favorite was they put a picture in the brief and they argued this all the time. And the media messed this up all the time. It was a picture of coach on a knee after the game, surrounded by all these players. And they were saying, look, see, see all the players? Well, what they didn't mention was that was after coach was told, hey, you go to a knee again, you're going to be fired even by yourself. And he was like, look, I don't want to get the kids in trouble, so I'm going to wait until they're singing the fight song, facing the audience, because I don't want them with me. So he went by himself. But what was happening is the whole country was watching this, and he was down on his knee, and he felt people coming around him. He was like, oh, no, the kids are coming around me. When he opened his eyes, it was the other team, all the players, all the coaches. And so as I told the media, this wasn't about him playing with his players. This was about in America. When the government comes and tries to shut down somebody's First Amendment rights, Americans rise up and say, you're going to have to run over me too. And that's what was happening. It had nothing to do with his players. It was the other team. If there's ever an American story, so Kelly, um, let let me uh, let me take a quick one minute break and come back to you. We're talking to Kelly uh, Shackelford from uh, First Liberty um, about what's happening in the Supreme Court. I just want to take your temperature on on what's happening with the security for the Supreme Court, the vote that happened in Congress yesterday, and why. I guess it's John Roberts' decision. Why they're waiting on this decision that is causing most of the uh, angst. We'll talk to you here in one minute. Na, na, na. 